Well, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. First of all, right off the bat, I uh, want to apologize for last week. Uh, those of you who are on Facebook, I got home from uh, uh, the services on Sunday and saw a note. Um, those of you who are on Facebook, it did not get posted in time, and that was my fault. Actually, when I went to set it up, I set it up to, to post at 945, and uh, I missed the uh, default button, and so it was set to to actually post at 9.45 p.m. So we got it fixed right afterwards, but it was about 2 o'clock before we got that fixed. So um, should that ever happen again, um, uh, you can, you've got a couple of options. One, you can go to the YouTube channel. Uh, that gets posted a little earlier. Or, and this is ultimately where we are headed, um, you can go to our Facebook page, hollyspringsbible.com. And uh, on that Facebook page, you'll see a set of tabs. One of the tabs is video sermons. And if you will click on that tab, the most recent video sermon that we have is posted right there. It's actually the YouTube version, and so uh, if you have trouble even finding it on YouTube, that's an easy way to find it. Um, eventually, that's the direction that we intend to go. Uh, our, our, our plan uh, going down the road is try to get everybody to the website first. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, we don't have to deal with the ads. You don't have to deal with all of the extra stuff on the screen. Uh, and uh, so we're working towards that. It will always still be on YouTube, and it will always still be on Facebook, uh, so you don't have to, to worry about that. It's just uh, we're looking at, at, at trying to do uh, more from the website because uh, that gets rid of uh, a, a lot of the filters regarding uh, copyright issues and uh, things having to do with uh, the, just the timing of you know, ads that pop up halfway through it and things like that. So. Um, that's kind of the direction that we're headed. Again, uh, if this is working for you, if YouTube's working, that's still going to be available. If Facebook's working, that's still going to be available. But uh, we just think we'll have a little more control over the consistency of it by uh, kind of setting everything up through the website. So uh, that's kind of how we're headed. Uh, we are meeting at church. We have been now for the last three weeks. And uh, this will actually be our uh, uh, fourth week meeting um, at church. And uh, right now we've got about a little over, every week we've had about a little over 50 families here, family units here, so 100, 125 people, something like that. And uh, uh, we have some that meet here, we have some that, that, that go into the other building, uh, but um, we have started that. If you're thinking about coming, uh, a couple of things. First of all, we, we kind of have a self-screening process, and we're asking you to ask four questions. If you've... Um, if you feel uh, fever, chill, that kind of thing, um, any flu-like symptoms, we're asking that you uh, just stay home and watch online. Uh, if you have had a temperature of 100.4 or higher in the last 14 days, we're asking that you stay uh, home. And um, if you've had prolonged exposure to somebody that um, has been diagnosed positive uh, for COVID-19, we're asking that you watch from home. And then uh, if you have a health-related issue or, or an age-related issue puts you a little bit higher at risk, then we're asking that you uh, stay home as well until you feel comfortable enough um, in coming. And uh, we're going to continue doing the online thing. So like I say, uh, I know it's not the same, but at least it will allow you to keep track of what all's going on and that kind of thing. And along those lines, um, on Sunday, we share things uh, that are more family-oriented with our church family prayer requests. Uh, concerns and things like that and uh, we will not know, we don't want to share those necessarily in a, on an online platform so 
Uh, if uh, you want to be in touch with those, know what those things are, make sure you're on our email list. Uh, we send that prayer request out usually uh, Monday nights, and that helps us to pray as a church family for um, our own church family and community. But um, uh, that's, our, that's our secondary way of communicating right now. Our primary way is on Sunday morning, but again, we reiterate a number of those things um, on Monday night uh, when we send out our email. So, and then if anything comes up uh, special that we need to notify the congregation of, we, uh, we do that as well. So uh, let's have a word of prayer and we will get going this morning. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, our, our country's going through a really tough time. And that's ironic, Lord, that um, this week we're about ready to celebrate Fourth um, of July and our independence. And yet, Lord, we, we have a a nation that just seems to be in, in turmoil in so many ways. So, Lord, I ask that you would heal and guide, direct, that you would uh, turn hearts towards you. I ask, Lord, that you let us be a part of that process. Um, Lord, may we be a light in a very dark world. For those that are struggling this morning, would you comfort? For those that are having a tough time, uh, Lord, dealing with either physical illness or the loneliness or just the emotional toll or financial toll of this, that, Lord, you would... Um, work and, and encourage their heart in a special way. And for us, Lord, as we open your word, speak to us. May we hear it, may we apply it, and may we use it this week in all that we do. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, we're in a uh, passage, uh, we're walking through the life of Moses and the children of Israel. And uh, we, Israel has left uh, the bondage of Egypt. They are about three months into their journey and they get to Sinai. And so we talked about how the scene that God had set up last week, we started working through the Ten Commandments, or as the Jews would know it, the Ten Words. And so each commandment, we're associating a key word, a key principle with it. So last week, we talked about the first commandment, I am the Lord um, your God, and we talked about the idea of that commandment um, was uh, focused on uh, the issue, the word that we used was authority, that you have to choose an authority for your life. Um, that is uh, an internal decision that you have to make. Um, the second commandment, the one we're going to look at this morning, actually is the external part of that internal commitment. And that internal commitment to say that Jesus Christ, that God is going to be the authority for my life, um, is where you have to start. And the word that we're going to look at this morning is priority. It's, it's the place that that authority has in your life. And so uh, this morning we're going to look at the uh, second uh, commandment, uh, it's found in Exodus chapter 20. It's a commandment that has, um, actually it has a, a principle and then it has a, a, a promise or a consequence or a penalty associated with it. So it actually has two parts. So uh, let's look at this morning. Here's what he says. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. He goes on to say this, You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, this commandment in the Jewish world was a really important commandment. In fact, there are three commandments that stand out in the Jewish mindset, um, at which if a, if a Jew were um, forced to either violate the command or die, they would always chew death. This is the first one. 
Um, if you were to tell a Jew that they had to worship another God or die, they would choose death over worshiping another God. Um, the, other commandment, the other two commandments are if you were to tell a Jew that they had to take someone else's life, they had to murder them, or they would lose their own life. Um, a Jew would choose losing their own life over murder. And then the other issue has to do with sexual sin. If there was any uh, sexual sin that you were asking a person to commit or die, a Jewish person would always choose death uh, with those three uh, particular commandments. So they saw them as very, very important. So like I say, this is, a, this is a commandment that starts with a principle and then it has a, a penalty or a consequence part to it. So let's walk it through and, and, and try to understand it. Um, first of all, you have to deal with this concept of God. Um, in, the Jewish, or in, the, in the Jewish world, these people, they had, a, they had been out of bondage for only three months. So their entire world was an Egyptian world. And in the Egyptian world, there were all kinds of gods, and the gods were often created um, or sourced in either nature or often mythology. And so these Jewish people had been brought up in a culture in which gods were always uh, portrayed to them with images or statues or, or things like that. Um, the Jew, however, the Jewish person, the, the, the Israelite, um, saw a much different version of the God that they had. Um, they saw God primarily as creator, and that, that becomes important. Um, listen to this passage uh, in Psalm. For all of the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. In the Jewish world, um, God was uh, not something that they, would, uh, they had fashioned or that they had made. They saw God as this huge, big power, if you will, as a creator. Um, and that really shapes it, because what happens is when you make an idol, when you make a, an image of God, one of the things that you do is you, you reduce him down. Um, you take the God and you put it in a, in, a, in a contextual type form. And so what happens when you and I do that is uh, God becomes much, much smaller, um, something that we can manage. And, and God wanted to give the Jews, the, the Israelites, this idea that I am much, much bigger than anything that you can form, any kind of uh, image or, or statue or uh, anything like that, that 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 you would make. And so God really wanted them to understand this concept of, I don't want you setting up other gods, other idols. Um, and, you know, we do that as a culture. Um, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily uh, go into our home and, and, and have statues and, and, and things like that that, that that we put up, but yet... We have a lot of things that we worship. Um, we're in a culture that often worships people. We have uh, people that we put up on pedestals. We, we, um, we buy their shirts or their hats or their, their, their clothing or, 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 or we want to be associated with often in, in the sports area. Um, we have people that worship money or, or, and things. Uh, we, we put a special uh, focus on um, the, the things that we own and, 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 and portray to everybody uh, this image that we want because of uh, money. We, we do it with titles and positions. Um, we do it, our culture does it a lot with this idea of self-image, self-worth, where we are so focused on, on us to the exclusion of everybody else, and, and, and we really have a culture that has become self-absorbed with, with focusing on, on me. And, and, and what I want and, and how it should be done my way. And what happens is, in the end, this really does hurt us because uh, we start worshiping um, things or, 
or, or people or positions or ourselves, and, and, and we really add, this, add to this idea of, of God. Um, the other thing is this, 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 uh, uh, this idea, this commandment, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, what you need to understand is that uh, it, it is a commandment that has a penalty phase or a consequence phase to it. And a lot of people get hung up on this. Um, this pass, let me see what this is not saying. The, the passage is not saying that if you set up other gods, I will curse the next three or four generations of your family. Um, that's not what the passage is saying. In fact, let me show you this in Deuteronomy. Here's what it says. Um, Deuteronomy 24, again, this is a, Deuteronomy is kind of a, a more detailed idea of the command, but here's what he says. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, God makes it very, very clear about this issue of individual responsibility. Um, you're responsible for your own choices. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden, what do you have? When, when, God said, when, when there are consequences for the decision they made, God judges the serpent, God judges Eve, and God judges Adam. Everybody pays for their own choices that they make. And the Bible's very, very clear for that. Uh, but what he's saying here is this. There is this idea that as a parent, you are modeling, you are, you are um, living out the way that your kids see for 18 plus years. And, are, and when, when you're constantly exposed to something over and over and over again, it makes an impact on you. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you choose to set up other gods, don't be surprised when your children make the same choices. Don't be surprised when you find then that your grandchildren are making the same choices or your great-grandchildren are making the same choices. Why? Because these cycles have a tendency to repeat themselves. These cycles have a tendency to be passed down from generation to generation. I'm often, uh, when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling, a couple, we're get, they're getting ready to get married. One of the things we spend a lot of time on is family of origin. And what we do is we, look at, we, look, we take a look at, at, the, at, at the husband's side of it, and I say, okay, let's talk about your family. Tell me what was, what, how you were brought up and how things were handled. We look at all kinds of issues. Um, we do the same, I do the same thing with the wife, and then I sit down and I ask him. I say, look, we want to honor your parents because that's, that's one of the commandments. <clears throat> but you're getting ready to start a new unit now, and this is a permanent unit. And so what we want to do is we want to understand the things that your parents did that you want to bring into this relationship, and we want to understand parent, things that your parents did that you don't want to bring into this relationship. I said, because we have a chance here, we have an opportunity here to, to, to bring in that which is good and push out that which is bad, because you're forming a new family unit. And so we always go through that. And um, one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to break some cycles that, that in some cases are generational, they've gone on you know, generation after generation after generation. But if nobody defines it, then you can't do that. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, look, if you set up other gods, that is easy to pass down generation after generation after generation. And it will continue to visit until someone breaks the cycle. Um, it's just like I, when I got married, I, I, we looked at my parents' relationship, and I had, I, like I shared last week, I, I had a, a great family home growing up, but there were some things that I looked at my parents' relationship and said, that's what I want to make sure is in my relationship. And there are some things that I said, you know what, I, 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 I want to change that. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to see that. 
And, you know, for years, I've, my dad, you know, used to tell me over and over again, look, I made a mistake. I put my career before my family. Don't do that. And so it's important for us to understand those kinds of concepts. And what he's saying here is, by the same token, he's saying, when you, when you raise a family or, and you have raised them in such a way that, that God is always at the center, God is always first, then what happens is that tends to get passed down. And you're modeling it. That's what he's talking about here in, in this thing. And if you're modeling that which is God at the center, then that, not always, but that tends to get passed down. And if you're modeling it where there are other gods, that tends to get passed down as well. So he warns the people to be very, very careful here um, as, as you go forward with this. Um, one of the things that you see in this passage is he says, um, there, there's a little phrase in there. Um, let me get it right here. There's a little bit of phrase in there. Um, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Um, that's an interesting passage. And the, the reason that's interesting is because that actually, that word, that idea, is actually sourced in the idea of marriage. And it has the concept, the Hebrew idea has this concept. Um, you are not to have any other gods before me in the concept of someone who is married taking a second wife. Um, it was actually the idea of polygamy. It's the, actually the idea of God saying, look, just as in marriage I want it to be a husband and a wife, I don't want it to be um, somebody else added to that relationship. I don't want you to have two wives. In the same way, I want to be the only God in your life. I don't want you to have other gods. I don't want to share the platform with anybody else. So that's kind of the basis behind the, the commandment. So let's talk about a couple of things that apply to us as we go uh, forward this week. Um, the first one is this idea that, look, God has to be a priority in your life, all right? Um, God has to be the, the, the priority. You have to keep God at the center of it. Um, for years, I struggled here. Um, because in my mindset, I had been brought up and I had been exposed to throughout um, all of my years as a Christian, um, this idea of who's first in your life. So I always saw this idea of, of, of God being a priority as, as, as a linear thing. One, two, three, four. Okay, so it's, and you've heard this often, it's, you know, it's God, family, career. And so, I, I, and so the question then comes, particularly in my world, and this is where I struggled. All right, so God is first, and then my family, and then my career. So what happens if somebody calls me and says, hey, we're going through a really rough time right now. Can you come over and talk to us? And I have something planned with my family. Now what happens? Well, you know, God's first, so go. And I have a lot of pastor friends who've raised their families this way, and their kids grew up resenting the ministry for it. And I went, I don't want that, but yet I want to keep God first. And, and so I struggled for a long time with this idea of first, second, third, fourth. And then I ran across a number of years ago a concept of, of concentric circles, or I have since adapted it to the idea of, the idea of a wheel. Um, and, and, and it's this concept. It's kind of sourced in an old navigator's idea, actually. Um, so here's what I've got. I got, I got a, 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 this, is a, a, this is a bicycle wheel. Um, actually, this is going to be a stained glass project one day uh, for my garden. Uh, uh, at some point, what I'm going to do, and I've had it for a couple years, so I don't know when I'll get to it. It'll be a winter project. But what I'm going to do is, is uh, take and put stained glass in between these sections, and then you put it in your garden, and then as the wind catches it, it, it spins, and it looks really, really cool. So ultimately, that's what this is going to be. So 
Don't look at it and go, hey, pastor, you need, you know, you need new tires on, on your bicycle. That's not what this is for. But this helped me understand it, okay? And, and this is kind of the, the, the way that when I talk about God being priority or God being a center, this helps me illustrate it a little bit better. I want the center of this to represent God. So everything revolves around the center. That's how everything stays in balance. This outside rim is my life. So that's how my life, that, that's me as a person. All of these spokes represent areas of my life. So this might represent my, my job or my career. This one might represent me as a dad. This one might represent me as a, as a, as a husband, uh, me as a grandfather. This has to do with maybe with my money. This spoke is, is maybe my hobby. Uh, this spoke has to be with um, um, my, my community uh, involvement. All of these spokes are tied to different aspects of my life. They all tie, they should all tie to the center. Every, the center determines everything. And then they are all interconnected because if you start taking spokes out, then it becomes off balance. By the same token, if I, if I don't pay attention to it and I put more focus on one or two spokes or a section of spokes than the other, then the whole thing becomes out of balance. Um, some of you remember this. I do as a kid. Um, one of the things that happened for me when I, was a, when, when I was a kid, we used to ride bikes in the neighborhood. And uh, we would take playing cards. And we would take playing cards and a uh, clothespin, and we would clip them on the front fork of the front wheel or, or the, the forks in the back wheel, the, the back part of it. And what would happen is the playing cards would hit the spokes. And the faster you went, the louder it got. It was kind of a precursor to the day that you were going to get a car with and start messing around with the mufflers. But it was the idea that the, the faster you went, the more noise it made. But over time, because the bicycle tire was never designed to have something batten on the spokes all the time, the spokes would get loose. And if you'll remember, um, some of you will remember this, you had to get a, a, a spoke wrench. And you would go through because these are actually, um, these are actually little um, uh, screws. And you had to tighten them up in order to get everything tight again and to keep the entire wheel in balance. And that was always the goal. That was always what you were trying to do was to keep everything balanced. It's no different for us as a Christian. When we talk about God being a priority in our lives, what we're talking about is the idea of not one, two, three thing, but rather Jesus at the center of everything we do. And we look at how everything connects to Jesus, how everything is interconnected to this idea of, so it's not necessarily what I want to do, it's what Jesus would want me to do as a parent, as a grandparent. What Jesus, how Jesus would want me to spend my money, how God would want me to, to conduct my career, uh, whether or not God wants me to take that promotion. Um, when, I'm, when I'm shopping and I'm talking and I'm checking out, it's, it's, it's how God wants me to respond to that person. When somebody mistreats me, it's how God wants me to respond. Everything's connected to God. So when we talk about God as a priority in our lives, that's what we're talking about. And I think that's what we need to be really, really careful of. So I think one of the lessons from this is the idea of to ask yourself, is God really at the center of everything you're doing? The second question is this, and this is a fine line, but it's an important line. Um, is, is it really Christ that's at the center, or have you substituted him for something else? Um, let me give you a, a fascinating Old Testament story. Uh, Numbers chapter 21. Um, later in the story of the children of Israel, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a scene 
where God has to send judgment on the children of Israel. And one of the ways that God sends judgment is they get bitten by snake and they die. And so the people come to Moses, they go, hey, we, what, what's going on, what's going on? And he's saying, God judged, is judging you, you need to turn back to God. And so what Moses does is he makes a, go, a bronze serpent and he puts it up on a stick. And he stands there and he says, if you will come to me and look at the serpent, you will live. It was the idea, when you get to the point that you want to turn back to God, you come to me, you look at the serpent, and you'll live. Um, and so the children of Israel do that, and they're delivered from, from the, 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 the snakes. Um, later, by the way, in the New Testament, um, this is used to illustrate the cross. And it says, even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So it's this idea of Jesus on the cross. And when you look to Jesus, you are saved in the same way that Israel was, in very much the same way as Israel was saved when they looked to the serpent. So that was the thing. Now here's the deal. In the history of the children of Israel, they kept this stick. They kept the serpent. Um, Years, 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 years later, Israel's in the promised land, going through a whole bunch of stuff. Years, years, years later, there's a king that comes on the scene called Hezekiah. Um, and Hezekiah is a fascinating, uh, a fascinating king. He, he loves the Lord. He wants to do what's right. He's 25 years old uh, when he comes on the scene. Uh, his grandfather, by the way, is Zechariah. So, uh, you know, this idea of, uh, of passing this stuff down. So anyway, so Zechariah uh, is his grandfather. Hezekiah comes on the scene. Hezekiah wants to honor God. So as a young king, 25 years old, what Hezekiah does, the passage talks about it in Numbers, that what Hezekiah does is the first thing he does, he goes in and he cuts down the Ashtoreth poles. These were pagan things that people worship. He went in and he cut down the groves. These are places that often associated with pagan worship um, where they would go up and, and they were places of immorality. And so by cutting down the groves, all of a sudden everything was exposed again. And then the passage says this, he took the, bro the brazen serpent and he cut it up in pieces and destroyed it. In other words, what he did was Israel had had this treasure, this icon that they had so revered. And the reason Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, so you can imagine a 25-year-old king coming in Israel and going, hey, bring me the brazen serpent. Oh, yay, the brazen serpent, the brazen serpent. And he chops it up into pieces and gets rid of it. And he says, you're not going to worship this thing because he said they had been offering incense to the serpent. Now, follow this, okay? Israel was doing, quote unquote, a good thing and reminding themselves that that serpent was a way that they turned back to God. But because they had replaced the event and what it represented with something tangible, Hezekiah says, it's over. We're not doing this anymore. And he cuts it all up into little pieces, and he gets rid of it. Um, now, that's a powerful story on this idea of, uh, of images. But here's what happens. If you're not careful, you will substitute things for God. And, and again, this is a fine line. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We are Holly Springs Bible Fellowship. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is the only authority for, of faith and truth for our lives. We follow the teachings of what God says, not necessarily what culture says or what we want to do. That's what we believe. But, but let's make sure of this. We want to make sure that we worship the God of the Bible, not the Bible that is from God. 
It's very, very, it, this is a very, very fine line. Because it, it, we get to the point that it's like, well, thus saith the Lord. God said, God said, okay, wait a it's God. Let's keep the focus on God, not necessarily on the, the words that he wrote. It, it's got to be God. It, it's a little easier when we talk about the cross. Um, here, we have a cross here. We have a cross in front of it, but we don't have a lot of crosses in our church, and there's a reason for that. The reason I don't put up a lot of crosses is because it's easier sometimes to focus on the cross than it is the Christ who hung on the cross. And what happens is, if we're not careful, we find ourselves worshiping the cross instead of Christ. And we want to make sure that we don't substitute things like that. We, don't want, to, we want to make sure that we don't substitute the idea of, uh, of a Bible for God or Christ or a cross for Christ. We want to make sure that the focus is where it needs to be. That's why God was so adamant about be careful about images. Be really, really careful about putting up something that's going to represent me because if you're not careful, you will worship that instead of that which it represents. So when he comes to the children of Israel, and you're going to watch Israel, Israel's going to violate this. Within three months, within two months of this happening, Israel's going to make a golden calf. Um, why? Because we like those tangible things. And I get it. I understand that. But you have to be really careful here. And you have to make sure that Jesus Christ is the center of your life. Um, that Jesus Christ, the person of Christ, that relationship with Christ is what everything spins off of. Um, so I, I think there's an issue of priority. I think there's an issue, there's a warning of, of substitutes. I think there's also this issue. When God originally creates us in Genesis, he creates us in his image. Um, when Jesus is here, he uh, literally, in the New Testament, there's this idea of you are ambassadors for Christ. You are, you are, you are representatives of Christ. Um, in Genesis, we see the idea of image bearers. And the idea is this, we go out into the community every day bearing the image of God. God doesn't want it to be a statue. He doesn't want it to be something like that. He has given us that ability to reflect His glory, His honor, what he, the way He wants things done. And so it's important for us to think of ourselves in those terms. It's important for us to think of ourselves not in the terms of we worship an idol or we worship a statue, but we are image bearers we reflect the image of God to the people that we come in contact with all week long. So my question is this, as you go into the community tomorrow, as you go into the community maybe today, what kind of image of God are you portraying to them? What kind of image of God are they seeing in the way that you treat that cashier? What kind of image are they seeing in a way that you treat that fellow employee or employer? What kind of image are they seeing on that Zoom meeting? When, 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 when you're, you're acting a certain way or talking a certain way. How is it that they are seeing God in you? Uh, Paul, when he writes to the Colossian people, says it this way. Christ in you, the hope of glory. People ought to be able to see Christ in our lives as we bear the image of Jesus Christ, as we bear the image of God everywhere that we go. So I think inherent within this principle of, of priority is that, yes, God is the authority in my life, but he's also got to be the priority. Everything in my life has to spin off that. So I have to ask myself as I handle money, is this the way God wants me to handle my money? When I'm looking at a career choice, is this the career God wants me to have? 
When I'm looking at myself as a spouse, am I the type of, of husband or wife that God tells me and, and instructs me to be? Am I the kind of parent that God, God has told me to be? Am I the kind of grandparent or great-grandparent that God has mo modeled and, and taught for me to be? Um, am I, do I treat my enemy in the way that God wants me to treat those who are against me? That's what we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, is, is that who we are? And I want to challenge you, because as we go forward, it's really easy to look at this idea of, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I don't worship idols. I don't, but yet we do. We, we, we put things in. We get our lives off balance because we become so focused on something else. Or we, or we add something next to God, and God's constantly in competition for that. And that's important for us to understand. So he says, look, you know, I want to be the authority in your life. And then the second commandment is I want to be the priority. So as he wraps stuff up, here's my challenge to you this week. Um, as you head on to the week, make God your priority. God makes it very clear he wants to be the authority in your life, and he wants to have first priority for your affections. He does not want you to accept substitutes or to add other quote-unquote gods to your life. He wants to be central in all you do. And he desires for you to reflect his image to those who you come in contact with all week long. So let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for setting the example. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us, for giving us your word, for giving us ways in which we can honor you and, and, and show others, Lord, how to follow you. Um, Lord, uh, for those who may not have you as an authority or priority in your life, may, may this be the day they choose you. For those, Lord, who have put their faith and trust in you, Lord, and, and things over time have just gotten way off balance, uh, Lord, would you help them to get you back to the center, that, Lord, they start considering what you want them to do and not necessarily what they want to do. And, Lord, when it is all said and done, may people be able to see Christ in us this week. And... Uh, May we be able to genuinely and honestly reflect um, who you are and um, how you love and care for the people around you. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, that uh, ends our time this week. So, uh, again, we want to encourage you uh, to uh, be in touch with us. Let us know if there's some way that we can help or pray for you. Um, other than that, uh, Lord bless you, and uh, we hope to uh, either see you sometime uh, on site or just continue to follow us online. Lord bless you. Have a great week.